of Jesus. Some people call it the doctrine of eminency, that his return is imminent. And the idea is, is that God wants us to have this healthy awareness that Jesus is coming back. And every day that you wake up, it's a new day. You have to realize that Jesus's return is sooner than it ever was. Like I put my faith in Jesus almost 20 years ago. And Jesus's return is 20 years sooner than it was on the day that I believed. The older you get, it seems like time passes more and more quickly. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that as a believer, you live in light of the reality that Jesus is coming back, that your time on earth is limited. He urges you to let this truth sink in and give you a sense of urgency as you interact with people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Knowing that time is short should push you to invite them to get to know Jesus, the source of love and life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Main Thing. loving people. Because look at what he says here. He says, owe no one anything except to love one another. So have no other debts or obligations except to love people. Now, if you want not only financial wisdom, but you want wisdom with people, you just get this thing right. Have no obligations to people except to be people who love one another. For love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said it this way, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. See, Jesus is saying, listen, the commandment that I want to give you as my disciples is that you love one another. As I have loved you, now I want you to go love one another. And that's an important reality. The idea of loving people, our culture, everyone loves everybody, except they don't love the way Jesus loves. So the problem isn't the concept of love. The problem is the definition of love. Jesus is saying, I want you to love people the way that I have loved you. See, here's the deal. The overriding issue with love in 21st century America is that love is not considered something that is self-giving. It's something that you get. So like people wait to receive love. But Jesus says, I want you to love with the love that I have. And what I want to tell you is that your ability to love other people is not if they first love you. Your ability to love other people is because Jesus loves you and you are receiving all the love that you need from Jesus. So now someone doesn't need to love you back for you to love them. And my friends, if we can get this, then we get the whole thing. The main thing, the most important thing is that the love that Jesus has for you is truly satisfying to the soul so that you can love somebody even when you don't agree with them. You can love somebody even if they don't treat you properly. You can love somebody and not take vengeance on them or get angry at them because you realize that Jesus loves us even though we're flawed too. So Jesus drives us into this experience. And I, you know, I call this upward, inward, and outward, right? It's like God's love reaches us, and then it moves through us. 
The problem with the day and age in which we live is it's just a, a, a love on the horizontal level. It's, we're going to try and figure out how do we navigate loving one another when, when neither of us are satisfied. And so it becomes, can I get what I want from you? Will you give me what I need? But Jesus is talking about something different. He's saying, let my love satisfy you and then go and love everybody. Even if you don't agree with them. Even if you disagree with their lifestyle. Even if you disagree with their politics. Even if you can't believe that they root for that sports team. Right? Or, what, or whatever the issues of the day are. It's simple. What is it? L-O-V-E. How are you doing where the rubber meets the road with that? At your school, at your job, with your neighbors. Are you keeping the main thing? The main thing. Jesus said, by this, all will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. How are you doing loving the family of faith here at Crossroads? The body of Christ as a whole. See, it's always amazing to me because we always have this tendency to think it's just what's right around me. But it's like, not only am I called to love the local expression of, uh, of the body of Christ, but the greater expression of the body of Christ. Now, can I just say this? to my Crossroads family. I love you all so much. I'm honestly honored that I get to be a part of this family, let alone get to teach the Bible. You guys are amazing. You know, I I was talking, I was praying just this week. I said, Lord, I want the Crossroads family to know how loved they are by you. And the Lord said, Daniel, you have to keep telling them how much I love them and you need to love them. You know, and I just love you all so much. I'm so grateful for the journey that we're on together. You know, because in the end of the day, if I am a pastor at all, my job is to, to be an, a stand-in in a sense, an under-shepherd for Jesus. Can't die on a cross for anyone's sins. That's his job. My job is to be able to explain it to you in a way that makes sense, to show it to you with my life at best. But listen, People will know we're his disciples not by how good our theology is. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm interested in good theology. I'm not panning it, but sometimes in the name of good theology, people love really horrendously. They only love people who, I believe this thing, and if you don't believe this thing, you are wrong. And you, you know, there's those people who, who think that they're the only ones who Jesus is going to let into heaven. Like, I was talking to someone recently. They were really up in arms because we don't teach out of the King James Bible. I'm like, listen, in heaven, Shakespeare's language is not the, the, the language of heaven. And they got super mad at me. So when anyone quotes the Bible in heaven, they're only going to say these and thous? We praise it to you, Lord? You know? But like, in the end of the day, like, if you really love the King James Bible, praise God for that. And if you, if you dig reading an iambic pentameter, then awesome. But I saw someone's reading it. What's the problem? You know? You know, what happens is sometimes in the name of getting all the things right, we get the main thing wrong. My pastor, John Henry Corker, used to say it this way. He said, Daniel, sometimes we're so right, we're wrong. And I was just like, ooh, that's a nasty one, isn't it? Listen, you get it right when you love. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. And really, it's Jesus' love that's the fulfillment of the law that we respond to. Now, notice what it says next, because look what it says, verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, and you shall not covet. Now, obviously, this is the second table of the law 
of the Ten Commandments, which you find in Exodus chapter 20, verses 13 to 17, and then also repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. You know, the, the Ten Commandments, the ten that were given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai on two tablets. Now, what's interesting is that really they, they call it the second tablet of the law because the first set of laws is all about a, a person's relationship with God, and then the second tablet's about a person's relationship with other people, Right? And really what he's saying is that in each one of these laws, right, you don't commit adultery, you don't murder, you don't steal, you don't bear false witness, you don't covet. And then he says, are all summed up in this same saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which of course is a quotation from Leviticus 19.18. When they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said, Deuteronomy 6, 5, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, strength, and mind. The second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So really what Paul, he's agreeing with Jesus and he's saying the most important thing is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, of course, when you love your neighbor as yourself, in verse 10, it tells us that love does no harm to a neighbor. So at the very least, love is not doing bad. It's stated in the negative. But if you look at all of those commandments, uh, when you commit adultery, you're not loving your neighbor, right? You're, you're violating someone's marriage vows. You know, when you murder, obviously you're doing them harm. When you steal, you know, when you steal from them, that's doing them harm. You know, what's amazing is, is that when you bear false witness, when you lie, that's doing someone harm. And then what's amazing is even says, do not covet which we don't think is doing someone harm because it's an internal thing, but Jesus realizes that what starts on the inside makes its way onto the outside. Like no one ever committed adultery without first coveting someone else's spouse. Nobody ever stole without first in their heart coveting what someone else has, right? And so all of this is summed up in this simple idea that the main thing is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as I always like to say, Who's your neighbor? Everyone's your neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) Some of you don't know that reference, but you will because there's a movie coming out soon. So you'll know the reference for you youngins. You young, what was that guy's name? Mr. Rogers. The man, the myth, the legend. You know, But, but listen, it's simple. But is it that simple? So if your neighbor is everybody, how are you loving somebody on the other side of the world who has a different religion from you? How are you doing loving somebody who you you don't agree with their sexual preferences? How are you doing loving somebody who votes differently? How are you doing loving the person who just stepped on your head to get a promotion that was, you thought was rightfully yours? I could do this all day and make all of us super uncomfortable, can't I? How are you loving that person that you wake up next to every day who you gave a ring to and you promised you'd love them no matter what and no matter what is feeling like a lot right now? Love your neighbor as yourself. See, really what he's saying is you need to love them the way that I have shown you who you are. You know, that's why I wrote that book, Upward, Inward, and Outward, about what does this mean? How do we cultivate this type of living? Because it's the most important thing. Love. Now, from there we see why love is so important. Now, look at what it says now. I'm picking up in verse 11 of Romans chapter 13. It says, And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. 
For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now really, and this is an important reality for us, you and I have to remember that it's almost time. It's almost time. Now you may say, what do you mean it's almost time? Listen to what Paul says. And do this, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So the Apostle Paul is saying, you have to know what time it is. Because you have to realize it's time for us to wake up. So Paul's using a metaphor of sleeping and waking. Nighttime and daytime. Right? And he says, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What Paul is talking about, he's talking about the return of Jesus. Jesus' return to the earth. Now, for some of you right now, you're like, what? Or some of you are thinking, see, this is why Christianity doesn't make any sense. Who in their right mind can believe that Jesus, who died 2,000 years ago, is going to come back today? I mean, you guys are nuts. Believe in fairy tales. Now, if you're in either of those categories, let me talk to you about this. Believing in the return of Jesus is not illogical if the resurrection is true. It's much harder for Jesus to rise from the dead than it is for a live man who ascended into heaven to come back. So like when I, I have people, I have just someone just recently, I love my friends, the guys I grew up with, and, and we're close still, and we don't agree on some, a lot of things. Like, man, I just, I mean, you are a smart, rational, you're college educated you're telling me you believe Jesus is coming back? I'm like, bro, if he rose from the dead, all bets are off. Like, coming back is on the menu because he's alive. You realize that, right? Like, that's not, like, shocking. I'm like, so if Jesus is not in the grave, right? And if he ascended into heaven, then if he wants to come back, just like those angels told the apostles he was gonna, that's not a hard thing. So it's, it's within, to say that's within the realm of possibility is giving the skeptical position way too much room. But here's the deal. If Jesus rose again, and he did, and you know how I know that he did? Because Christianity wouldn't have gotten anywhere if they could just brought them to Jesus' tomb and said, there's his body. This thing ends right there. Right? And, and so it, it's not like... So like there would be no Christianity if they, and 2,000 years ago, this was already a hot topic. They could have just worked the thing out. They didn't work it out. Why? Because he's not in the tomb anymore, right? And because he ascended into heaven, he's coming back. And and the truth of the matter is, the day of Jesus' return is sooner than when you first believed. Now, that's a reality that God wants us to have. You have to realize that We live believing in the soon return of Jesus. Some people call it the doctrine of eminency, that his return is imminent. And the idea is is that God wants us to have this healthy awareness that Jesus is coming back. And every day that you wake up, it's a new day. You have to realize that Jesus' return is sooner than it ever was. Like I put my faith in Jesus almost 20 years ago. And Jesus' return is 20 years sooner than it was on the day that I believed. Right? Now, Because of that, that drives us to live a different way. And really, Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Now, really what he's saying is there is that because our citizenship is in heaven, we can't wait for Jesus to return. Because we know that when Jesus returns, he's coming from heaven, he's going to transform our lowly bodies, our earthbound bodies, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. So we get these bodies back, but as I like to say, tricked out with new features. Jesus was still able to eat, and he was able to walk through the wall, and he was able to ascend into heaven. I mean, how cool is that? I could eat Twinkies and be in glory. It's awesome to me. Like, like the whole thing just makes me so excited. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you know when someone buys an old clunker? We used to call them a hoopty when I was growing up. I had these friends, they'd get these old hoopties and they'd put all these like nice wheels on them. You know what I mean? Like they'd slam, it was like, like it's an ugly rust bucket, but it was slammed to the ground. You know, it was looking super, they put these big sound systems in it. That's kind of like it, but way better what Jesus is in, inviting us into, right? But the idea is that when Jesus comes back, the work of the church ends in its way. So that's why in a lot of ways, this idea that it's almost time that drives us as a church family to live differently than we would normally. To give you a couple examples of this, it's one of the reasons why we have the TV ministry and the radio ministry and all the stuff we do on social media. You know, Because literally, we realize that lots of people won't come to church, but they have televisions and computers. And because we know it's almost time, we're like, we need to reach them with the gospel right where they are. We can't wait for people to come to Crossroads. And what's amazing is, is that every single month, we see between... 30 and 60 people say yes to Jesus from our television ministry. Literally. It's like where, because we take the messages from here and then literally we give altar calls at the end of every single TV. It's funny. Someone's like, I I saw your TV show. You do an altar call. And then I'm like, I know. Why? Because Jesus is going to come back. I don't want him to have Bible information. I want people to come to know Jesus. And thank you for all of you who are involved in helping and supporting that. There's some really exciting things coming on where now we have the opportunity to potentially go on to major stations and buy two-minute time slots so I can do like a two-minute message, you know, on like the news stations like Fox and CNN and trying to even get on MTV and do this stuff. And like, you know, we're we're trying. It's not cheap, but, but listen... If Jesus died on the cross, man, we're just like trusting the Lord. Do you know what I mean? We're like, Lord, you want, but why? Because the, it's almost time. If Jesus came back today, there's nothing restraining him from doing that. Can you imagine if this is the last sermon I ever get to teach? I mean, can you imagine if this is the last day you ever get to love your kids or, or tell someone that you care about them or share the good news? It's one of the reasons why as a church, you know, we just did that, the whole national back to church day. Love, love how God is using the Crossroads family. Why? Because time's almost up. No time to mess around. Too many churches like, I don't want to bug people. Like, I don't want to bug people. I want to bug people into the kingdom. I'm good with that. I don't want to be like on the highway to, to heaven. You know what I mean? I, I want to have a big old caravan of buses with all these people coming to heaven. You know, I, I don't want to go fast. I want to get as many people on board as possible. But when you realize it's almost time, you're not ashamed to invite somebody. When you realize it's almost time, you start to say to yourself, Getting the gospel out is important because it's time to wake out of sleep. The night's far spent, he says. Now listen, if you're here today watching online here in our sanctuary in Vancouver, if you don't yet know Jesus, listen, now's the time. God loves you. He's for you. 
The only way you'll ever be happy is to know the love of Jesus. No relationship will ever satisfy you, no matter how awesome that person is. No matter how cute they are, no matter how rich they are, no matter how many boxes they check off in the ideal significant other thing. If you're one of those people who think that kids are going to fulfill you, (laughs) come borrow mine. No, I'm just kidding. I love my kids. I love my kids. And they're awesome kids. And I think the world of my kids. But guess what? Being a parent is not fulfilling in all the deepest ways. It's a beautiful thing. And it's from the Lord. But guess what? The only thing that's truly going to satisfy you is Jesus. And guess what? If God has been tugging at your heart and God has been saying to you, you need to get right with me. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus loved you. He died for you. You need my forgiveness. If you're in that place where you've never said yes, I want you to do it today. And I want you to go follow Jesus in the waters of baptism today. Why? Because the night's far spent. The day's at hand. Now our salvation is near. Jesus is going to come back. And when Jesus comes back, a no decision is a no decision. Now's the time. Because the Apostle Paul says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, verse 12, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, verse 13, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision to fulfill its lusts of the flesh. Now, If it's simple that we should love, and if we realize the time, it's almost here, the final step in this is you and I, we need to put on Christ. We need to put on Christ. That's what God invites us to. And I get that right from verse 14 there. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So the idea now is that Jesus is spoken of, his righteousness is spoken of like a garment that we get to put on. And the idea here is that there is a difference between the way people live at night, the darkness under the cover of darkness, and what people do in the light. Now, can we just be honest for a second? That was probably a more poignant picture about 40 years ago than it is today. Because we're, we're at a cultural moment now where people are unashamed in the daylight to do what people would only do under cover of night in the past. This just happened. I, I took my son Obadiah uh, to, to Nashville, Tennessee because my grandparents were there. And so we wanted to get a little time there. And so sure enough, it was a Saturday. So I'm like, let's go see downtown Nashville. And as a musician, it was, you know, I'm like, man, this will be good. And, it, and it's the daytime. I mean, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. But when we got to, to downtown uh, Nashville, it was amazing because there was a foot, big football, a college football game that day. And all the bars were full of people and people were acting insane. Today, Pastor Daniel wrapped up this teaching on love being the main thing of life. He urged you to fight against worldly desires and damaging behaviors. Though many of these things are more culturally acceptable than they've ever been, they aren't what God wants for you. God wants you to experience the fullness of a life lived close to Him. When you simply respond to Jesus, God's love and light will infuse your life and be a beacon to those around you. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? 
You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus Is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus Is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We hope you'll join us next time as Pastor Daniel will unpack the topic of unity and diversity in relationships. You'll discover that God wants his people to be unified in the essentials of faith and doctrine, but gives room for diversity in the smaller issues. Pastor Daniel will also explain that as you grow in spiritual maturity, you'll find that you judge people less about their faith decisions. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.